welcome to another episode of Yoga for the Revolution, a show about self-care in the age of resistance. You may notice that I have a cold today. Don't worry, I've got my cup of lemon ginger tea in front of me, and we're going to proceed. Today we're talking about choice, yoga, and the power of choice. I wrote about this in the last newsletter, and it's something I wanted to explore a little bit more. We always have the ability to choose. Even when it seems like we have no choice, there's often some small sliver of reality we can choose, even if that is simply our own response to the world around us. I have always been a rule follower. Following the rules is comfortable for me, it aligns with my sense of integrity and justice, and it just so happens to have little risk involved, on the surface at least. And honestly, for most of my life, I didn't even consider the rules as choices, meaning some authority says do this, and that's pretty much what I did, more or less, without question. Sometimes I'd question, but more out of curiosity than anything else. Like when my mom used to say, get upstairs and brush your teeth. One, two, and I stopped halfway up the stairs and said, I'm going. Just so you know, I'm going to go brush my teeth. But out of curiosity, what happens after three? An arched eyebrow is enough to send me scurrying upstairs without an answer. I think the first time I realized that being a rule follower was my choice probably wasn't until my mid-20s. Take with a grain of salt this story of delightful privilege. But some of you know I spent some time at Krupalu in their spiritual lifestyle program. It's not something they offer anymore, I believe, for liability reasons. But at the time, you could apply and go live at the Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health in Massachusetts and study yoga in exchange for work. You'd live in a dorm with other volunteers and you're assigned a work placement. I worked in the kitchen, loading and unloading a dishwasher the size of my entire apartment sorting silverware, bussing food, bussing tables, stocking the pantries and refrigerators. And in exchange, I had instruction in asana, meditation, and philosophy every single day. And this was a plum deal. So at one point, I and a few others had to switch dorms. We had to move from a relatively small room with six or eight of us into the larger dorm that held I don't know, 30 or 40 women. I had my work hours and then a small slice of downtime and then lecture or whatever else was scheduled in the evening. And I remember being really overwhelmed that I wasn't going to have time to move. And it felt really stressful and oppressive, keeping in mind, of course, that I was moving with not much more than a suitcase and moving within the building itself. But still, I felt like I didn't have enough time and I felt rushed and it was upsetting in some way. And I remember complaining to a friend of mine about how they didn't give me enough time and how could I possibly go to class if I was supposed to be moving and blah, blah, blah. And that friend of mine said, so don't go. Don't go to class. Take your time moving. Unpack. Get yourself set up in your new space. Relax into your new surroundings. Take all the time you need. All you need to do to do that is just miss class. And in that moment, I was like, wait, what? But class is on the schedule. Class is something I'm supposed to go do. And I realized in that moment I did have a choice, which was more important to me, going to class or settling in to my new dorm at a relaxed pace. 
I honestly had no idea I could choose. Seriously, it never occurred to me that someone else might not know what was best for me and that I could bring that information into my decision. I could potentially reject what was set out for me and make a different choice. Now, obviously, I'd been making choices counter to what many people believed might be right for me already since I decided to not have a job and go live at an ashram for three months. But that aside, I didn't really realize that in these kinds of moments where I felt pressure or I felt stressed that I could choose. In that moment, of course, that particular choice seems a little superficial, a little ridiculous, but it did open my eyes to choice. In the end, I realized I didn't actually want to miss class. I liked going to class. I liked it more than I liked the idea of unpacking into my new space right away. So I chose. I gave up what I was complaining about, what I thought was my priority, having more time to move and to unpack, and I found my true priority, which was to take advantage of the wisdom of my teachers and the unique opportunities to learn in this environment, and frankly just unpack later, which didn't seem as important at that point. And this happens a lot when we feel obligated or trapped in a choice. It's this false sense of priority. I have to go to the gym. No, you don't actually. You want to go to the gym because you feel accomplished when you go. You have more energy. You like it. You choose it for that reason. Or you really do hate it. And you know what? Then don't go. Go for a walk outside. Go dancing. Do something else. I have to pick up my kids from soccer practice. I mean, you kind of do, right? You're not going to go get a cocktail and leave them there stranded on the field with their shin guards and discarded orange peels. But that's a choice. You could do that. Or you could arrange with another parent to alternate pickup duty. Or you could pull them out of soccer altogether. But maybe you don't want to do that because really, she loves soccer and you like to see her being active and happy. Oh, okay, well, in that case, we have a new priority now, a guiding principle. And that may change our perspective a bit about the choice. This then is about perception. What if your have-to moments become want-to moments or even I get to? I get to pick up my kid from soccer practice because we're lucky enough to have found a program where she can run and be active and be with her friends, learn about cooperation and drive and fearlessness and teamwork. And then I get to see her and talk to her in the car on the way home and it's time for just the two of us before we get back to the house and a million other things need to get done or whatever, right? That's just a a shift in perspective. That's perception. I want to pause here to say thank you as always for listening to Yoga for the Revolution. It's another kind of shift here from shift in perspective to shift in conversation. If you haven't already, you can subscribe for these last remaining episodes. We're at episode 99 here. So I'm committed to one more regularly scheduled weekly program. And then I'm staying open to doing eight more very special episodes because 108 is considered a sacred number in Hinduism and yoga. Traditionally, mala beads or garlands of prayer beads come as a string of 108 beads plus the guru bead. And It is a sacred number all around. So I thought it would be nifty to have 108 episodes. Those last eight may come at an intermittent schedule. So the whole reason I'm telling you this is A, so you have the information, and B, so you subscribe. And that way, 
whenever those last eight episodes come out, they'll just be automatically downloaded onto your phone. You can always find RLR back and our future episodes on yogafortherevolution.org. I mentioned the newsletter earlier, and I'm shifting this format a little bit to be slightly more personal, a little more sherry. As I transition out of the weekly show, I want these to be a way for us to stay in touch over time. So if you want to sign up, go to yogafortherevolution.org and click on contact to sign up for the newsletter. Also, I really do want to continue this kind of work, perhaps in slightly different ways. I have a couple of spots open for one-on-one coaching either virtually or in person. So if you're interested in that, reach out or you can go to this URL, justregularyoga.com. That's three words, justregularyoga.com or reach out on social media to be in touch. You can talk to me on Facebook at facebook.com slash yoga for the revolution or follow on Twitter at Y underscore F underscore T underscore R and look for Yoga for the Revolution on Instagram as well. Back to choices. Obviously, you don't always, always have a choice. And some people have the opportunity to make way more choices than other people. That's the way the world works right now. I think we're all working on it in our own ways. But what I'm talking about is that we often have choices when we don't think that we do. Sometimes we think things are set in stone when really they aren't, or at least our role or participation is not preordained. So I'm going to talk about three things here. Choice when it comes to response, action, and perception. So when I'm talking about choice when it comes to response, when something happens externally or internally, are we angry or put upon or overwhelmed? What is our response? Well, yoga practice helps with this. The more we practice non-judgmental self-observation, the more we meditate and practice putting a little extra space between our thoughts, the better chance we have of responding to any given stimulus rather than reacting to it. You may feel like you don't have a choice but to get angry when something happens, but we do. We have a choice. We can put an extra breath between the stressor, the thing that is causing the stress, and our response to it. That's not to say we shouldn't feel anger. That's a completely valid thing to feel. But we can choose how we proceed from there. Choice when it comes to action. We can often take an action different than the one we feel is being dictated to us. We just might need to think about it differently or set up our priorities differently. We might need to pause reflect on our response, get clear on what we really do value, and then what action to take becomes way, way more clear. And choice when it comes to perception. And this one maybe is more elusive. Maybe we will do a certain thing, but the way we think about it could be less burdensome. When we take control of our choices, take ownership of actions, line them up with our priorities, then the perception of that action changes. We talked about this a moment ago. We just switched our have-tos to want-tos. I'll also pose this. Even not choosing is a choice. So by not actively choosing, what you're doing instead is choosing not to take an active role in your own life. A lot of times we feel as if we don't have a choice at all because in reality we're overwhelmed 
perhaps we're overwhelmed by options or we're overwhelmed by consequences and we don't have a clear guiding principle helping to direct our choice. The only reason you know what kind of cereal to buy at the grocery store is because you know what one you like to have for breakfast. You have a guiding principle, but sometimes we lose sight of our guiding principle, become overwhelmed or afraid and choose not to choose or let someone else make the choice for us. Now here I'm not really talking about what to have for breakfast. I'm thinking more about the medium or big size choices. Staying in a job you don't like. Staying in a relationship that isn't working. It may feel like, well, what else can I do? Well, let's take a second to really ask and answer that question. Let's say you have a job and your hours are crazy long and your boss is not supportive and your work is affecting your home life and you get home tired and stressed and fight with your partner and you wish you could leave, but it's your job, so what can you do? What happens if we really pull that apart? All right, what can you do? What happens if you leave the job? For some, maybe there are opportunities. Maybe there's another job. Can you start looking for another job? Maybe you could actually leave. It might be hard. There might be challenges to finding a new job, but it could be a possibility. For others of us, leaving is not a good choice. There may not be a better opportunity at this point in time. And so maybe the better choice is to stay, but that doesn't mean you're out of options. What else is a problem in this situation? Your boss is unsupportive. Okay, is there anything that can happen there? And you have a conversation with your boss. Maybe that's an option. Or maybe your boss doesn't respond well, isn't open to that. So maybe that isn't the best choice. What else? You're not getting support. Where else at work can you get support? Is there an HR department? Do you have coworkers? What other avenues are available to you for support? You're tired and fighting with your partner. Okay, so what choices present themselves there? Is there an option to cut back or change your hours? If not, can you possibly talk to your partner about the situation? Can you express an interest in not fighting so much, even though you know you come home stressed and tired? What could be some solutions there? What I'm getting at is, in most situations, there is some kind of choice Even if we feel we can't choose something different than what's happening, even if those things are truly out of our control, we can often choose at least how we respond to those things. How we perceive the world around us and how we act change in accordance. Let's look at something we may really feel we can't change, at least not in the short term. I'm going to use gun control as an example. So I'm going to talk about that if you don't want to hear about that this is your fair warning. Maybe we feel like, well, it would be better if my kids could go to school or people could go to a nightclub or a yoga studio without the fear of someone coming in and shooting a large portion of the people around me and possibly me. We could feel that. So what are the choices here? Um, You could never leave the house. That's a choice. It may not be the best choice. Most of us need to go to school or work and want to continue living our lives. So leaving the house then is the first choice we make in response to the reality of mass shootings. What else? We can vote. That's something we can do. We can vote like we did in the midterms for candidates who agree that sensible gun laws should be put into action. We can make the NRA less powerful by voting for people who don't take their money and are not influenced by them. Gun control groups outspent the NRA in the last midterm elections, showing that money 
is powerful, and you can choose to support those groups as well if making a donation is something that's available to you. And if using your money in that way is not the best choice for you, you can offer up time, passion, creativity. It may not feel like direct action, but even in those moments where we feel like there's nothing we can do, we still have a choice to act. I spent a fair number of years in advertising, and this year I contributed my time and skills to a pro bono project aimed at getting out the vote for the midterms. I didn't give money, but I forfeited payment, spent hours on phone calls, used my writing skills, used my strategic experience, and that was a choice I made in a situation where I may have otherwise felt helpless. All of that involves choice. And you know what? Just to be completely transparent, there were opportunities I had that I didn't choose. So for me, my guiding principle when it came to the midterm elections was that I wanted to help get people voting, right? That was my guiding principle. I wanted to promote the right and the privilege of voting. I wanted to make it easy, and I wanted to do whatever I could to get people out and to the polls. That was my guiding principle. One choice I made to do that was to work on the pro bono project, but here's another choice I made. I had originally trained to be an election day poll worker. I was assigned a standby position, which means that on election day, I would travel to a central location in Queens, and if there were any additional needs at any poll stations throughout the county, they would then shuttle me off to those locations and fill the needed role. And as election day approached, I canceled. I didn't do it, despite my guiding principle that I wanted to get people and help people vote. I was coming off of a flight, the night before. And if you have never been six months pregnant, there's something about third trimester ankle swelling that you might not know. It's a serious thing that happens, especially when I sit or stand for a really long period of time. So the idea of being on a flight and then waking up at five in the morning and being at the polls for 14 hours didn't feel like the right choice to me. So I didn't sit at the polls. I chose something different. I reevaluated my priorities and I made a different choice. Was it the right choice? I can't say for sure, but I do know no amount of compression socks could have protected me after 14 hours on my feet. And I still voted and I thanked every single poll worker at my location for their dedication. And I'm okay with that. I only tell you that so, A, I don't sound like a holier-than-thou person, a person who always makes choices that benefit the greater good. Anyone who knows me knows my boundaries are solid, and I moved away from my people-pleasing habits quite a bit. But I, I say those things to demonstrate the power of choice. And moving away from that obligation showcases a a move away from those people-pleasing habits. And that's a choice, too. In my life, I've decided to say no to things because I know if I say yes too much, I feel exhausted and resentful. Now, to be fair, I could learn to say yes a little bit more often. I married a yes person, and I'm learning now that balance a little bit better than I had before. And all of this requires choice, requires space around each choice so that I can inquire, evaluate. And what helps, what always helps, is being clear on my priorities to have a guiding principle to help me make those choices. For every action, for every reaction or response, for every point of view, there is a choice. And knowing which one is right for you in any given moment 
will require some self-inquiry, as always, and intuition about your own priorities. And while there are exceptions, hardly ever is there no choice whatsoever, even if that choice is simply revealed in your own response to the world around you. This is a choice too. Until next time, keep breathing and live to fight another day. 